if I told you uh, that you had a sickness um, and you went to the doctor and uh, doctor, you'd have a bunch of questions. How many of you have a lot of questions? You ask too many questions sometimes. Uh, I want to know this. I want to know that. I want to know this. And, and one of the questions would be is, hey, doc, wh- when will I be over this? When will I be done with this? You know, they say, oh, you're going to take this, you take this medicine, go home and rest, you're going to go to this therapy. But you say, Doc, when will I be over this? I, I realize that some of you have uh, gone to the doctor and they've said things like, you'll deal with this for the rest of your life. And that's pretty discouraging, right? Uh, especially if uh, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ because you realize that's all you have. That's all you have. That's all you know about. And uh, that which is after this life is nothing to you. Uh, in fact, if you really understood it correctly, it would be far worse in your, uh, as you look in the days ahead. But for a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, depending on how old you are, and uh, you say, well, deal with it for the rest of your life. Some of you are pretty good at math, and you, you take your age, and, and you kind of do the math, and you go, oh, that's not that long. Just the rest of my life? Uh, it's not that long. I can make it. Uh, there's a certain encouragement to knowing that there is an end. There is an end. Um, I, I think about that with a trip too. You say, well, how long will it take us to get there? Uh, how, how long or how, how much longer, further? And these are the types of things that we're going to be looking at this morning in this one verse. And so uh, as you turn there, I want to read to you a larger section just because uh, I want to give us some context this morning. Um, it's important for us to realize that as uh, we have chosen and feel like it's the right method, the expository preaching that we're just walking through the scripture, that one verse isn't just one verse. It's part of a, a greater uh, passage and a greater context. And so I want to read to you a little bit uh, Uh, a greater context in the verses that we'll look at in the weeks ahead. Starting in verse 7, it says this. If you'd stand in honor of God's word. We don't have to do that. That's not something that um, is in Scripture when you're reading the word of God, but it's something good for us. It's just a practical thing uh, that, that we do. Um, and if you can't stand because uh, your bones won't let you, that's fine. Don't, don't in any way feel ashamed of that. But I, I want to share with you that just that we want to give as much um, honor to the Word of God, realizing that it's words from Him. It's a message from Him. God's Word says this, verse 7, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each uh, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength, strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And God, we thrilled with your word. We're thankful that we hold something that is from you and not from man. 
God, we're grateful for the instruction it gives us that it would be a great encouragement now as we look to this. And even in these particular days that we would get, uh, gain great uh, courage and strength and um, fuel in our tank uh, for the days ahead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I know I, know I keep saying this. I, I hate to use the same intro over and over and over again, uh, but it is. It's in the midst of suffering. This is what this passage is. It's a, a passage uh, that's talking about suffering. And I realize that suffering has many different degrees. And e- even the idea of tribulation in the scripture, uh, there's the great tribulation, but there's also tribulations along the way. Um, and so as we look at this particular passage, uh, he's encouraging the churches in their suffering, in their inconvenience, in their hurts, in their persecutions, in the things that are wrong in their present culture, to keep going, to keep walking with the Lord. And as I've shared with you over and over again, the idea, the enemy has a plan for your sufferings. The Lord does too, and the Lord's plan should prevail and will prevail in your life But the idea of the enemy, he wants to use the pain in your life to cause you to quit, to cause you to say, it's too much. I I can't handle it. It, It's it's not worth it. Um, I I think that that's an important thing to remember as we look to this. And as Peter writes, he's seeking to encourage uh, the people of the churches to keep going. And so that's my desire this morning as well as... You are a church, you're part of God's people, you're in the midst of a particular culture and time, and you're suffering to varying degrees, and so I want you to gain courage from this one little verse this morning, Um, and that, you know, so let's get at it. Okay, so I I call my first point uh, the two-minute warning. Some of you, how many of you do not care about football at all? Uh, you know, that at all. Some of you are put, putting two votes out like that. You're getting ready for the election. Two votes. Um, there's music in the air. Uh, Zach, you want to come take care of this? Where's Zach? Did I lose him? Thank you. Um, just ignore Zach. Not all the time, but just now. Okay. Uh, um, so uh, the two-minute warning, that's something interesting. I mentioned this before in weeks to come, that this idea that you're in the fourth quarter, and the two-minute warning means it's almost over. It's almost over. I think that, uh, that every sport kind of has that. In basketball, a lot of times they'll be taking uh, timeout after timeout, and there's just seconds left on the clock. And, and in baseball, it's the ninth inning, right? You know, a couple of outs, and it's the ninth inning. You realize time's almost up. It's almost over. And as we look at this verse, Peter shares with us something very important. He says, the end is near or at hand. Uh, that's a, I, th- I think about that, and I, I've struggled with this this week, just this idea of the end. What does that mean, it's the end? Uh, if I said, this is the end of the semester for you students, what would that mean to you? Uh, for some of us, when we heard the end of the semester, you said to yourself, oh no, I only have a week or two to get done all the work that I should have been doing this whole semester. It's the end. Uh, uh, the pressure's on. 
for others, the idea of, I can't wait for this semester to end. I, I, I know people have been talking about 2020. I just can't wait for it to end. Well, I just told you already this morning that uh, if 2020 is bad, they're planning on it at least going into 2021 being bad, right? Um, and who knows? I, I hear this almost every year. Oh, 2019's been so rough, or 2018. So many things have gone wrong. And do you, do you understand what's happening? Do you understand that there's an intensity with every year? Maybe even an increasing intensity for every year. And as you look at this, you realize that uh, God wants to tell us something very important. And as Peter wrote this, he said, the end, uh, the end of all things is at hand. I, we always want to know the details, right? He just says the end is at hand, and then he goes on to talk about what we should do. And you say, well, what, what end are you talking about? Uh, he's into the end of all things, so it's it's not it's not you know just the end of the year. It's not the end of the semester. It's not the end of school. It's not the end of your career. It's not, it's not even the end of your life. It's the end of all things. Is that hand without description, uh, undescribed? Right? Uh, he just says the end uh, is near. Uh, some of you are, are smart and you're putting this together and you say, well, that was thousands of years ago. You know, how can it be the end? How could he have written to them that this was the end when it, it hasn't happened yet? Does that mean the Bible is untrue? And I would say, no, we struggle with the idea of time. Uh, you say, well, it's only going to be a short while. A short while to you is different than a short while to God. Um, in second Peter chapter three, there's a, a passage in there and, uh, it's, it's talking about some of these same things and it talks about the slowness of the Lord. And we think he's slow about coming about on his promises, but really that slowness is God's patience and him working out his plan according to his time. But for him, uh, thousands of years are nothing right? They're, they're not something that you would, uh, that he goes, oh boy, it's been so long. Uh, but for us, even sometimes we look at the day and we say, this day has been so long. But Peter says to sufferers, to Christian sufferers, he says this, the end is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. It's now. Um, as you look at this, we realize there's uh, end time plans in the scripture. And this kind of uh, gives us a little taste, very little taste um, about what is going on. Uh, you, you realize, those of you who have studied the scriptures, that there's a time period of tribulation in the scriptures. As God works out the end, there's a seven year period of you know, tribulation, difficult things. And there's different views on that. I'll just tell you right now that I'm a pre-tribber, a pre-tribber. Uh, I believe that the church will be gone uh, for the tribulation. And you say, well, you could be wrong. And I said, yeah, but you could be wrong too. Um, you know, there's th some major positions, uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. And I, I just want to tell you this. Um, 
we struggle with these things. There's not as many details as we would like. We're all into details and time periods and what's going to happen and uh, when's it going to happen? What day is it going to happen? And the Lord was clear to tell us that we will not know these days. It it won't be something that we can put on the calendar. We just know it's coming. But as he shares with us that the end is near or the end is at hand, uh, He wants us to know this, that there's no barrier, there's no barrier, there's no stopping this event from coming. As you look on the history of the Bible, you realize that there are certain events and plans and times uh, that the Lord uh, has done things in creation. Uh, He created man, and then uh, you see man exploding into uh, people groups and uh, different sins and uh, times and the calling of his people, the nation of Israel, the Jews, and then uh, you you see how he works out different things and their preservation. And uh, there's so many different events and times, and as we look back, we realize that he was working out his plan. And so as we look to the future plan, we we have to say, well, you know, is there anything else left on the calendar? And he's saying, no, there's nothing left on the calendar except the end. And so we we look at that and we realize that this is what we are waiting for. As God's people, we stand and we wait for the end. In Matthew chapter 24, um, describing... uh, Jesus was talking about some of these events that were to come. And he said, uh, all this is just the start of the birth pangs. And um, I, I want to tell you, as I look at what were the, the sufferings that we're dealing with, both in First Peter, now today, and the ones that are to come, I want to tell you, they're birth pangs. They're, they're the idea of the baby's coming, right? Uh, the end is near. And as we see these difficult, horrific and uh, wicked things in our world today, we can remember the end is coming. I, I think that as you watch the news, you'll see things and you, you don't have to like fear them. You can just say the end is coming. I know it. Um, and even encourage yourself. I can make it because I know the end is coming. This will not last forever. I, I want to warn you about something. And I think that... It, uh, Many of us have sinned even this week in this way. There's the Thessalonian problem. And you say, what's the Thessalonian problem? And the Thessalonian problem was this, that they forgot to work while they were waiting. Uh, they were going, ah, the Lord's coming. And so they're sitting back and they're going out to coffee and they're talking about the signs of the times and, and they're talking, they're three-hour coffees, you know, they're getting, you know, refills and stuff like that because they're sitting there so long and they're not doing anything and they're they're watching the news and and they're going yeah I know the Lord's going to return and so it doesn't matter if we work today because the Lord's going to return and that's the Thessalonian problem and may it not be the Bear Valley Church problem as well that we would be people as we know the end is coming and we know that the Lord will return and we know that he's taking care of his church. And when we know that, we're working while we wait. Uh, We're understanding that God has things for us to do today. I, um, it's something I'm very, um, I don't want to say fearful of, but it concerns me. Uh, 
Some of us like to watch the news. We like to stay connected with people through social media. We like to talk on the phone. We like to meet with one another. And we forget what God has blessed us with and entrusted us with today. And you say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about your husband or your wife. That's a relationship that he's given you and blessed you with. And so uh, the idea that one of you would be in one room, you know, solving world problems with your Facebook friends, and the other one would be watching Fox News in the other room, uh, wondering when they're going to pay you as a consultant. Uh, <laughs> what if they did? What if they called you up and said, what do you think about that? I would, I would watch that. It'd be good comedy. Um, um, but uh, realize this, that because the end is near, this idea at hand, ready to go, uh, that should give us priority in what we are doing with our day, what matters, uh, what we should invest in. Um, and so as we look at this, we, uh, we realize that, um, and people, I, I've shared this with a lot of you, that what do I think is happening right now? I think it's the beginning of the actual end right now. I believe it's the actual end right now. Or... I think it's the birth pangs that are happening right now. Or I think we're just so uh, comfortable Christians in the United States that this is just general Christian suffering that's happened all over the world. And we just, you know, we just aren't used to having discomfort. Um, I, I think that this is what it is. This is what life is. And so we need to be ready for this, this end to come, this undescribed end. Um, he's wanting us to know that it's imminent, that it's coming right now, that there, there's nothing standing in the way of this event coming. And so we should live like that. Uh, I want to tell you this idea of the end is the end goal reached, the, the victory won. I think that some of us dread the end because we have forgotten or we don't understand that the end is the victory for God's people. It's, n- it's not that we have won the victory, but we're on the winning team. We didn't play that well. Personally, we didn't play that well. But the team won. But the team won uh, because of what Jesus did. And, and, and I want you to get that. And so for us, the end, we should say, I hope it's today. I hope it's today. Well, that'd be amazing if today was the day and he took the church out and the canopies went sailing and we just took off. Wouldn't it be great? That's the attitude I think the Lord wants us to have, this expectation that today would be a great day for it. And some of you go, well, you know, I got all these things to do. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, it would be a great day today. It would be a great day for the Lord to return. And so we, we realize that this warning, uh, I was thinking about this, uh, the end of all things is at hand. Uh, I don't know how many of you have seen this, but growing up in California, um, you know, there's, 
you know, there's a whole fleet of VW buses from the 70s that have this written on the side of them. I don't know if you've seen them, that people are out there and they, they're convinced that that's the way to share the good news is to ride it on their VW bus that barely, barely moves. I want to tell you uh, that it's not for us to um, want to ride on our cars, if, unless you feel like that's what the Lord wants you to do. Go for it. But it's the thing to write on our hearts that we would remember what to do with this day and be willing to share that with uh, people that we know and uh, people that we love. Um, the, the idea that it's uh, at hand is it's not far away. Not far away. Um, it's not too long now. There's not, like I said, no barriers for that. And for us to think in those terms... And, and really, it's motivation uh, both to persevere and to focus. It's a time to focus. We're almost there. It's, it's not a time to coast or give up. Um, and, and I would say this, too. It's important to remember this. And as you look at the Lord's return, if it was close in the time of the writing of First Peter, uh, it's much closer now. It's much closer and, and this idea that as you spend your days, you realize you're closer uh, to being with the Lord and to him bringing this to conclusion than you've ever been. And that should be a joy. That should be excitement. I, I realize some of you are older and it's not that fun. Uh, and I, I, I want you to go through a process when your bones are aching, when you can't do what you used to. May that trigger in your own mind that heaven is closer to be with Jesus, and it's better to be with Jesus, and you work yourself through, and may even your aching bones and your, uh, the pills that you have to take and all these other things, that may that be a reminder for you that you're closer. It's good. It's good to be closer. Uh, and not even, uh, you know, don't share this with them, but the, those who are younger to say, uh, you know, I'm probably closer than you are. <laughs> I'm in a better spot than you are. You, you may be physically better, but I, I got a better uh, situation because I'm closer to the Lord, closer to being with him. He goes from this warning, this two-minute warning, for a necessary, uh, to a necessary mindset. And he shares with us two words in verse 7. Uh, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Self-controlled, sober-minded. Um, he I think that a lot of times we look for things to do. Uh, what do you want me to do? Um, and picture the doctor's office again, and he says, you have this disease, this is what's going to happen. And you go, okay, uh, what should I do? And the first thing he says to you is, uh, you need to think differently. And you say, I was just looking for exercise in a pile of pills. Because thinking differently is a lot more difficult for me than just taking and doing right? I can exercise. I can make a few laps around the lake and I, I can take pills. I can organize them and pop them and the, it's not a big deal. But, but what, what we have as marching orders are this. It's your mind. You need to think differently. Your attitude needs to be different. Um, this is the attitude and it's this, uh, this necessary mindset. The first is self-control. And, and it's self-control, not, you know, we think of self-control as eating or uh, the idea of 
exercising and regiment and priorities. We, we think of self-control like that, he says, but self-control of your mind, of exercising control of your mind. Uh, it's a, a self-restricting and purposeful restraint of what you're thinking about. It's the idea that this is what I need to be thinking about. This is how I should think. Uh, I think that um, some of you do this really well. You talk to yourself. You counsel yourself. And, and you say to yourself, I can't be doing this right now. I can't be watching this. Even better, I can't be thinking about this right now. This isn't, this isn't healthy for me. It's not good for me. I think often we kind of think of the mind as, first of all, a private place, but also a place that cannot be restrained, that it just is meant to just go wherever it wants to go. I want to tell you that's, a, a, that's an untrained animal is what that is, dangerous to itself and others, right? Uh, he, he says this, that you're to be self-controlled, this, this idea of your mind to be thinking differently. I can't be thinking about this. I, I can't be wasting my time with these people. And I say wasting my time. Uh, th- there's a danger in people uh, throughout the scripture. There's both this compelling uh, understanding that people are valuable and that, that you need to invest your time in people and care about people. But it also talks about how certain people with bad thinking, with bad words, will be bad for you. And it's important for the the self-disciplined or the self-restrained person, self-controlled, to be able to say, I can't be watching this, can't be listening to this, can't be hanging out with these people, can't be considering these people my friends and the people that I listen to. Why? Because it does bad things for my mind and attitude. I need, to, I need to be careful of what, I be, what I'm thinking about, where, where I'm going in my mind. He, he says uh, they were to exercise self-control, to be self-controlled, but also to be sober-minded. Uh, drunkenness, uh, most of us have a picture of it. Some of you have an up-close and personal picture of it. Um, by way of what you have done or what a family member has done. And you, you know what it is to be drunk. And the idea of being drunk is to not be really clear about what's going on. It's not that you can't remember anything, but it's that you've lost inhibitions, you've lost clear thinking, and you're just kind of bouncing through life and flopping around and not caring, laughing too loud at things that aren't funny. And this is what it is to be drunk. That's not what this passage is talking about. But it's, it's talking about like a spiritual and mental uh, drunkenness. <laughs> that you're not uh, dialed in. You're not focused. You're not uh, um, what the opposite of drunkenness would be. You're not sober. You're not sober. Um, designated driver. Designated driver. It's kind of an interesting thing that we've done in our culture today as we say, you know what? I'm going to go out and get drunk, and so I'm going to need a designated driver. I'm going to need someone to take the wheel for me. I'm going to need someone. I'm, you know, some of you, we have this plan for it even, right? 
I'm planning to get drunk tonight, so I need someone to drive me home. And why? Well, because I'm not going to be able to handle it. I shouldn't be behind the wheel. As you think about that spiritually and mentally, uh, when you think about the end being near, uh, what you're saying is this, I need to be in my right mind. I need to be uh, clear-minded at the wheel right now of my life. I think of certain jobs that it would be be bad to be drunk at. Air traffic controller. There are these planes that were flying around. I lost a couple of them. I don't know where they are. You know, uh, I had a friend who was an air traffic controller, and he, he joked one time, he says, if there's a near miss, and I, I would always ask him, was that you? And he would jokingly always take responsibility. He says, yeah, I was drinking a soda, and I spilled it on my keyboard, and I, I just didn't know what to do. Uh, and, and you realize that's not that funny, Right? especially if you're in the plane. I want to tell you, uh, it'd be bad if your surgeon was drunk, right? Wasn't in his right mind, wasn't careful. And he says, you know, I, I can't remember what I was supposed to do. Was it the right leg or the left leg, right? I, I was working on you and I, I opened you up and I couldn't remember which organ I was supposed to be working on. And and then I was done, and I couldn't remember where all my tools were, and I couldn't remember, like, you, you think about how awful that would be, because it's dangerous. It's, it's an important time, and that, that's the picture here. The picture here is this. The end is at hand. It's important time. You need to be in your right mind. You can't be recklessly drunk, not caring, and not tuned in uh, with what's going on. These two words are to mark the believer that knows that the end is near. Uh, And I want to just say this grammatically uh, in the Greek, that these two words are imperatives. It's you got to be this. You got to be this. There's no, hey, it'd be a good idea. It's the idea that you have to be this. You have to be this because of the time. With in light of eternity and the plan of God being worked out, we need to be self-controlled and sober in our minds. Which brings us to the last piece and um, really the activity that should fill our days, and it's praying, praying. Uh, this, this has struck me over and over again as I've gone through this passage, and it's a great reminder for us right now. Uh, as I said before, what should we be doing uh, and he hasn't gotten to what we should be doing. He's been gotten, gotten to what we should be thinking, to re- be reminded the end is at hand and in our minds, be self-controlled and sober. What should we be doing, though? We should be praying. And, and what's interesting, the connection between these two words that uh, we're to be thinking and what we're to be doing, it, it, they're connected. Self-controlled and sober for the sake of your prayers. And, and I've thought about this often, and I'm saying, what, what do you mean by this, for sake of your prayers? Like, uh, what, are your, what does your mindset have anything to do with your prayers? First thing I would tell you is this, that uh, if you're not self-controlled and sober, you won't pray at all. You'll think there's a, a different way to solve the problems of life. 
you'll, you'll think that it's unnecessary. Yeah, you'll get caught up in something else. The right frame of mind uh, is necessary for the action of prayer. Helpless people pray, right? Uh, if you're not self-controlled, if you're not sober-minded, you can think that you've got it in, under control. If you're reckless about life and don't care, you say, well, it doesn't even matter. You're not concerned that, that it works out well. You won't pray. Self-sufficiency, uh, which is the di- difference from self-control, uh, is a danger to prayer, Uh, This idea that there's endless time and nothing matters of the day is a danger to faithful prayer. The way you think affects how much you pray and what you pray about. If you think that life is, you know, like history, just cyclical, it just keeps going on, life doesn't matter, you won't pray. You won't. And as we uh, get lost in selfish recklessness, you won't pray either because you'll see uh, this life is just about you having fun and you relieving the pains of the day. I would say it even this way, and forgive me for saying it this way. People who lose their minds, people who lose their minds in the events of this world, in their selfishness, in uh, wild and reckless living, don't pray. You have to keep your mind that you might acknowledge your need for God's intervention and his uh, blessing in your life. What do you do uh, when you see world events going south? What do you do when crisis enters your home? What, is, what do you do when you're concerned about tomorrow? What do you do? I Google it. I Google it. You have a problem, I Google it, right? Google can solve everything, right? I can figure this out. You know, I can, I can do the math to see what percent, and, and I'm speaking to myself here. I can do the math to see how difficult and, you know, how much the virus has come to Tehachapi and it's 1.2% of the population or something like that. Um, you, you realize that uh, you, you Google things and you, you say, I, this is how I get through the day. I, I get the information myself. Or maybe for you, it's the, the social media of Facebook and uh, spouting your opinions off there and trying to listen to this or that. And, or maybe for you, it's some person. You, you run to your mom or your dad and your, your sister or your brother or your friend and you say, I just need to vent I just need to vent like that's solving something. I want to tell you, when, when you think about venting, vent to the God of creation who knows how crazy you really are. He knows it all. He can sort you out. He can sort you out and he can quiet you down. He can help you with this self-controlled and uh, this, this idea of sobriety, he can help you navigate these difficult and trying days, whether they be in your family or your world. He's the one. And so this connection for you being in the right frame of mind to be wise about what you're thinking about and where you allow your mind to go and then to prayer so that you can pray.
Um, As we think about this, the answer for today is to pray. When we are worried, we should pray. As we think about our cares for the day, we should pray. As we have thoughts about the future, we should pray. As we seek what's to try to understand what's going on today, we should pray. And as we consider the work of this church, we should pray. As we think about raising our family in these days, we should pray. And we, when we think about the big decisions of the days to come, we should pray. We should pray. Prayer acknowledges that we uh, don't have a clue about today, nor have the power to accomplish anything. And so we call on him. Just a few things as we close today that I just want to go as we summarize uh, our verse for today. First of all, this. The end is supposed to motivate us to persevering. As you think about the end, it should motivate you to persevere. Secondly, remember this, that the end is now. The end is now. It's not something uh, in the future. I think especially of those of you who are young right now, uh, you don't have to understand it all, but know this. You need to be ready and you need to be living like the Lord's going to return today, even if you're young. Thirdly, I would say this, a clear mind and purpose is essential. Uh, some of us get really comfortable going crazy in our mind. We think it's just our personality. It's not. It's not, it's not a good thing. Uh, that we would be reminded and allow the Lord to control us in our mind. Number four, um, there should be an excitement and confidence, uh, and that should be the answer for our day. I want to tell you that you don't need to fear the end coming. You should be excited and confident. Not that you understand it all, but that you know the one who does. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you're guilt-free, not because you aren't guilty, but because your guilt has been taken care of on the cross of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, I'd say this. We should be dependent on prayer. Uh, This is how we should handle the rest of our days. The rest of our days. How many are there? I don't know. I don't have a clue. I don't know when the Lord's going to return. I don't know when you're going to go to be with him. But the way we should handle the days between here and there are to trust him in prayer, uh, to communicate with him, to uh, speak with our Heavenly Father about what's going on uh, in our heart and life, in our days, in our culture. Please join with me in prayer now. God, thank you for this uh, wonderful verse. God, I do pray that we are um, excited about these things. I I pray that we would be able, by your strength and grace, to uh, be mindful of our mind, the way we're thinking. Uh, I I pray that we would be able to understand that uh, this world has a shelf life, and it's part of your plan and design uh, to bring this to conclusion and that will be victorious for you and because it's victorious for you it'll be victorious for us as well god thank you for the confidence that we can have in you i pray that you would keep us faithful in the days ahead we thank you in jesus name amen